is not conjuring heavy metal thunder with testament or metal allegiance, or swinging to the grooves of his own jazz trio, guitarist Alex Skolnick loves to read. A lot. He is also one of the co-editors and curators of the biannual culture magazine Unbuilt, which highlights an eclectic array of artist profiles and lifestyle pieces. So I then thought that it would be appropriate for us to meet at the Strand Bookstore in New York City, to wander the stacks and see what we could discover. Sharing the love of books or movies or music with someone can be a stimulating experience, and it's one of the reasons I still love shopping at stores like this. For this episode of Side Jams, the location became the jumping off point for us to discuss many different topics. You'll notice as we get up to the rare book room that our voices get quieter as we wanted to be respectful to all the people reading around us. It certainly was a breezy and enlightening conversation for sure. So without any further ado, let's hit the books. I'm here with guitarist Alex Skolnick, the Thrashmaster and Testament the ascending jazz master in the Alex Skolnick trio and a passionate fan of the written word. Oh, thank you. Great thank description. <laughs> Much appreciated. I try. I yeah. Add it to your resume if you like. All right, yeah, I may, I may use that. Well, thanks for coming out. Yeah, my pleasure. We're here in the world-famous Strand Bookstore. I figured it would be a good place to come since we're going to talk about your love of literature. Yeah. It's, if you ever need to get me anywhere, just meet at the Strand. It's not... <laughs> With a cup of coffee? Yeah, and, uh, it's not hard to get me here. It's an institution. It's one of my favorite. So, so what so what kind of books do you do you seek out? Like what what's what genres do you love? Well, I like um, I read a little bit more fiction than nonfiction. I go for literary fiction. Right. Um, so you know, Michael Shabon, uh, Don DeLillo, Joyce Carol Oates. I'm currently reading a book which I uh, it's it's something else. I don't I don't know. Good if or bad, something that. else. Good, but it's I kind of di- didn't know what I was getting myself into, and um, I will I will be changed after <laughs> this this book. It's it's an amazing book, but it's um, it's really like a super marathon of books. I didn't it's realize how big it was. Yeah, yeah, it's a, about a thousand pages. Wow, small print. There's no ebook available for it. I could see why, because it's like an encyclopedia, but uh, it's by um, William Gaddis, and the book is called The, the Recognitions, and it okay. was recommended to me by um, my good friend Bradford Morrow, who's also a novelist and okay. literature professor, and this was apparently the book that made him want to be a writer. So I've had it, I've, I, and I, it's amazing but it's like reading multiple books. And now my stack, I'm l- looking longingly at my, as much as I'm enjoying it, I'm looking longingly at my stack of yeah. books <laughs> to read. <laughs> and then there's some, there's some books yeah. too, like you're saying that books sort of cha- changed you. I remember, I, I forget the name, but I have to look this up. It's a book, probably have it in one of my boxes stored away right now. It was, I think, by an Irish author about this kid whose father dies. Right. But his father's ghost comes back because his brother, this kid's uncle, is trying to move in on the mom, but right. also take advantage of her the money. Oh, wow. So the ghost is trying to get the son to do certain things, even gets him to drive a school bus when he's trying to stop something from happening. It's kind of crazy. Right. But it's written in the style of a nine-year-old. So it's literally like oh, wow. has page-long run-on sentences. Oh, yeah. And about a third of the way through, I'm like, I can't do this. Like, the, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, and yet I was exhausted. Yeah, sometimes you know, experimental stuff can be exhausting. Um, David Foster Wallace. Yeah. Example, and I did read... Infinite Jest. Apparently, a lot of a lot of people own that book and haven't read it. It's sort of famous for <laughs> being this book on on shelves. Uh, it's been a complaint among some females that it's like such a 
typical bro thing yeah, to yeah. own a copy of that. I read the book. I, I, I thought it was amazing, but I thought there was a, a huge payoff in it. Uh, it just, it's one of those books, it takes a long time to figure out what's going on. You just have to accept that at times you're not going to know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how this book is, the recognitions. And it was later um, celebrated. And his next book actually <laughs> won the National Book Award, but the inside scoop is that it's not as good. The one that won the book award is not as good. You should read if you're going to read him. Yeah, yeah. This one really should have gotten the attention. So it was really like he, he started being celebrated to make up for being ignored. <laughs> and I could see why it was ignored. Because in some ways it's, it's really experimental. Yeah. Especially for the time. So he definitely influenced Wallace. Um Jonathan Franzen, apparently, the, the, the title, The Corrections, right. is a tribute to the recognitions. Okay. And even going far as far back as, like, Joseph Heller. Uh, apparently, Joseph Heller read this while writing uh, Catch-22. I, I never read the book, but I saw the film, and even the film just kind of blew my mind. I'm sure the book is, is more intense. That's the thing, too, when you find a lot of books you like getting adapted right. into films. Like, sometimes you're like, yeah, I get it. Sometimes you're like, man, they really cut out a lot. Yeah, yeah I, okay, that's an interesting topic. Yeah. Um, yeah, The whether to see the, the movie first or read the book first. And they always say, read the book first. I, that doesn't always work for me. Like, I've, I've read quite a few books where I just, I'm so disappointed. Mo- more often than not, I'm really disappointed in the movie. And I understand they can only do so much. You can't capture a whole book. Yeah. Especially if it's a, if it's a bigger book. But sure. I remember... A, a book I enjoyed uh, was The Prince of Tides by Pat Conway. Yeah. And then it was made into a film starring Barbara Streisand. A pretty good film. I mean, she actually she got a lot of accolades for it, which sure yeah, well-deserved. But I was angry when I saw <laughs> this film because they, they cut out crucial parts. They cut out characters that I just thought, okay, yeah, this is like my favorite character in the book and be like they he doesn't even exist in the film and yep. then you've modified the rest of the film to fit the fact that this character is you know and it, or they and had was, characters in yeah and it didn't exist yeah and i think if i had seen the film first i probably would have appreciated the film for what it was and then been knocked out by the book because wow it contains all this other information that i didn't know about um hmm. elmore leonard get shorty that was one i i thought they captured it really well but his writing style is so adaptable yeah. to movies and the, you know there were a, f- a few other examples but gen- generally I I've, I've enjoyed seeing the movie before before reading the book and usually usually the books the, it's usually the movies don't live up to the books speaking of adaptations I finally read The Shining uh-huh. and now I understand why Stephen King did not like Kubrick's film Oh, because I didn't. He, he, he literally. Yeah, I never read that. I, I should read that. He hacked out certain things. I mean, uh-huh. Jack Torrance is an alcoholic. He's an actual alcoholic, uh-huh. which is not only touched on in the film. It's implied. Right. But the reason he hurt Danny was because he literally wrenched his arm because he was drunk. Uh-huh. Um, and all the stuff that's in the film that's famous, like the elevator, you know, with the blood coming out uh-huh. of the elevator, the, the twin girls appearing in the hallway, the maze, uh-huh. those are not in the book. Okay. So a lot of the things that people love about The Shining are not in King's book. Oh, okay. Now, the topiary animals are, and they were put in the television miniseries version. 
But and also the end of the book's entirely different. That actually, you know, like Scatman Crothers' character comes back and he actually doesn't die in the book. Right. He helps her helps you know Danny and his mom get away. Oh, okay. I go. I like both of them, but I'm totally I totally get why King was pissed. Yeah, but he, you know, he I think he created something new. Kubrick. Yeah, Kubrick's he did. an artist, so he's he's gonna take it somewhere. It's like yeah, it's a whole other interpretation. So now we're here in the S section of fiction, deep in the S's. Yes. Um, anything here you recognize? Uh, let's see. Um, okay, <laughs> oh, here's well, Salman Rushdie. Have you ever read so Salman Rushdie? Ours. Yes, I read uh, this one, uh, Midnight's Children. Right. Which is great. I um, said hello to him at a recent um, book event that he did. That was that was incredible. That's an incredible book. Um, I'm told his new, his recent uh, nonfiction book is, is supposed to be amazing, too. Which is all about you know the ordeal he went through after uh, you know the Ayatollah, yeah, placed a, a fatwa on him. Um, when I come into a bookstore, like there's certain things I'm definitely looking for, uh, and then there's a lot of stuff where I just I pull something off the shelf. Do you find that your collection gets bigger with all these purchases you made? There were things you did not intend on buying, and then you don't quite get to the list of everything you do want to read. Oh, it happens all the time. Okay, so I guess we're we're focusing. I'm focusing more on ours for some reason, but Philip Roth is somebody that I I'm a massive admirer of, and I want to read all his books. Um, I have read this one. American Pastoral. Right. Goodbye, Columbus. Okay. This one I've never... I don't think I've... Nemesis. Nemesis. I don't even know this one. Are there any... Our ga- like, so, yeah, there's, there's so gang. many. Zuckerman... I know Zuckerman's like his alter ego. Um, Is there, are there any writers that like you love that people don't know about? Well, William Gaddis, who I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when we were just discussing that, one other thought I had was that... Um, yeah, why was this this book ignored? Yeah, like and panned by credit. Well, part of it is you know he's just you know lambasting the literary scene. Not there you go. <laughs> like destroying it. Yeah, and he's like calling it, like he's. My theory is that he influenced Tom Wolfe too, because when I read Tom Wolfe, and you read books like Electrolyte Acid Test and yeah. uh, all a lot of his nonfiction, the uh, he's. He really captures conversations and parties, yeah. like gatherings, you know, where there's mm-hmm. like conversations that are overheard, interruptions, and he puts you in the scene. He, Tom Wolfe was the first guy I ever read that did that, but Gaddis really does that. He does that well, and he does that with like the New York literary scene. Yeah, and ma- there's many scenes. There's these party scenes that just go on for pages and pages and wow. you know he's calling out so I, I think that had something to do with it so that's really interesting and I think he's like a writer's writer okay so I'm glad that I'm having the experience of reading him yeah but I think he's also like there are um, musicians that are sort of musicians musicians as much as any ca- casual listener will appreciate them like the real players Especially, it's really, you know, appeals to other musicians. And I think Gaddis is like that. He's a guy, like, his fan club includes guys like Franz and, and yeah, yeah. you know, those it, people. But uh, so he's he's the first one that comes to mind. It's interesting, like, right here, so we're going down. Getting further into the R's, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Nora Roberts. A lot of Nora Roberts. Jeez. I've never read Nora Roberts. Tom Robbins. So Tom Robbins. There's somebody I don't hear his name much anymore. But... But we know the name. In the 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah. I read him... Like, I've, I've read most of these. Um... Half asleep in frog pajamas. That's read, a great title. I love. I love his. He always has the best titles. And what do you like about them? They're very creative. They're pretty abstract too. Yeah. Like they also make no sense at all for not for as long as like Wallace or or Gaddis, But there's parts where it just makes no sense. What the hell is going on? And then it unfolds, mm. and you figure out what's going on. And uh, he's just. The intelligent, it's, it's very highly intelligent, very great references. It's just an incredibly open-minded, highly intelligent, creative person. And just that that's reflected in the stories. Even Cowgirls Get the Blues, that yeah. was made into a, a film that did Uma not. Thurman, right? Right. And she's, in, she's so wonderful, but it did not work at all. It's not her fault. She actually did the best she could, but the, the film was just, I don't know what happened to the film they just they blew it like that that could have been a, a really good film um but for, yeah for some reason i don't i don't know i don't hear his name that much anymore and i just i think yeah he's amazing i'd like to meet read him again but i was reading him more often in the, in the 90s yeah when i was really sort of discovering the idea of you know reading for for yourself and not just stuff you're assigned in, in school well, something that did occur to me and I wanted to ask you about is like, you know, when you grow up, you have a different curriculum in different schools. Like, people were surprised I never read The Great Gatsby. I'm like, well, I read Heart of Darkness. Uh-huh. Like, different teachers had a different day. I read a lot of Shakespeare. I didn't right. get it in high school. Yeah. It took yeah, me, me until I was like, what is this? Did you find that when you talked to people that their experiences growing up, they read different things than you did? Despite the fact they're all classic novels that not everybody got the same experience? Yeah, yeah. I mean, some, apparently everybody had read To Kill a Mockingbird. I never got assigned it I um, obviously I did read you know I did yeah. read it but uh, as an adult Great Gatsby I, I did read although I think that's one you have to read multiple times you have to read that as an adult as well it's so relevant too like it's still quite <laughs> quite relevant yeah, the last film adaptation was interesting <laughs> the slightly hip hop version <laughs> yeah I didn't see the, the that's a film I'm just yeah I'm not sure I, it was I okay I mean yeah. it was it was it was very digital yeah. that a lot of digital set design in that so I think pulled some people out of it it was an interesting idea yeah. the way they did it trying to adapt it and, and give it a bit of a modern flavor and be a period piece yeah yeah um, yeah it is funny like people's experiences and what they also qualify as a good book and I right. realize now and like our uh, you know, my, my best friend said this about movies. He said, if they stopped making movies, you could never catch up with every movie that's right. ever been made. And with books... So it's a chunk of your life. We were talking about The, the Goldfinch, yeah. earlier, which I read last year. Then, which is a bit, I've read a few huge books this year. And I'm, after the recognitions... You know, it's now February. I started this in December. Yeah, It's huge. So you, it's, I've gone on trips where I, I can't take it because it's... <laughs> It's too big. <laughs> well, that's and, and that's the so, digital thing too. Right. But you can't get it on digital either. It's just it's really not, yeah, it's not available. It's really like a crazy. They like, want you to read. He wants you to yeah. hold the weight of it. Yeah. But, um, do you read anything I, on a Kindle? Um, usually, what I'll do is I'll get um, if there's a, a huge book. Yeah. Um, I'll read. I'll go back and forth. I'll read parts of it on my iPad and part so. The big book I read the year before last 
uh, was uh, Magic Mountain. Right. That one, I, I read most of it. My favorite way to read is a, a small paperback. Um, actually, you know, we should go to the paperbacks. Because that's... Okay. This is my favorite section. Oh, mass market paperbacks, okay. Now, it doesn't mean that they're bad books, right? Because like, no. here's, here's Shakespeare. George so, Bernard Shaw. Because I travel so much. Yeah. This is my favorite way to read. So See, I read the... Um, um, Magic Mountain in one of these books um, and then it just it was such a fat book you know but it it, it fell apart <laughs> so I read the rest of it on my iPad um, but then it was strange because it was so obviously a different translation yeah and it almost felt like reading a different book here let's see if Dostoevsky I did recently read um, The Idiot which is great, and I read it on a little paperback like that, and it was. Okay. And I went to I went to Russia. I played performed in Russia, and it, what a great way to read Dostoevsky. I mean, right actually, there. Yeah, so I've, I had bopped around St. Petersburg and had this little bit paperback in my hand. That to me, the, yeah, there's there's nothing like that. And then as far as like electronic reading, so big nonfiction like the Keith Richards book. Yeah, is huge. I only read that on my iPad. Um, I mean, it's like several hundred pages. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's enormous. And it was great. It was great. But um, there's a, uh, as far as nonfiction, um, Sapiens by uh, Noah Yuval Harari. Yep, I interviewed him actually. Yeah. Did you really? For oh, Costco, so yeah. Cool. He was, uh, I read that, that and Homo Deus. Yeah, so I, wanted, I haven't read Homo Deus. I'm going to read that. Uh, so for that, I did the same thing. I, I got it on my iPad, uh-huh. and I was on tour the whole time. I did, and the, I didn't want to, even though I prefer a handheld book, I didn't want to drag that around. So what I would do is I'd read some of it on my iPad, and then I'd bop into bookstores, and I'd read it out of the book. It's a, it's a fun way to, to do it. So it's like you sort of do it, you're going back and forth. Like if you had a break, you try to catch up. That's interesting. I never yeah. thought about doing that. So they don't have the biggest selection of paperbacks, but if there's other stores that I'll go to on tour, like um, Howells in, oh, in uh, Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. That's a great store. And, yeah, they just have so many. I can't walk out of there without some, <laughs> some kind of paperbacks. Now, here's a here's a, a funny one. So Ayn, Ayn Rand, I read her because of uh, Rush lyrics. The song Anthem by Rush, um, Free Will, like mm-hmm. a lot of that. Is written by you know, Neil Peart when he was a an I, Ayn Rand fan, which he no longer is, and he explains why. But yeah, yeah, no, I she's read a controversial that a very author. controversial. I, so I have people ask me about her sometimes. I have very mixed feelings. Like I like her, um, her influence on Rush. <laughs> I don't like her influence on the Federalist Society. I'll leave, I'll leave it at that. Catcher in the Rye. That's one I'd love to reread. See, now I, I read, read Franny and Zoe. Oh yeah, no, I so I never. But I didn't that. read Catcher in the Rye. Okay, yeah, it's funny. Oh yeah, that's a that's a, an essential one. After digging through the mass market paperbacks, Alex and I decided to rifle through the pulp fiction section. There's some pretty interesting covers there. It's all pulp. Oh, look at this. I yeah, I, I love these. Some of these covers are just like a mad, a man from Uncle book. Awesome, yeah. Tarnsman of Gore. Lady. Remember the Gore books? Gore without the E. Yeah. Green light for death. This heart, this hunter. These are awesome. 
They're just like... The Bad Blonde. The Sizzling Thriller by <laughs> Jack yeah. Webb. The Ghost Next Door. It's, it's also the covers that are great. And the I, covers I'm, are awesome. Yeah, I have a, a few of these. Just Now, I'm kind of surprised. Is this John Fowles, who wrote The Magus? Might you know be. The Magus? Great book. Very respected literature. That would be interesting if that was... I can't imagine it's not him. Did you know that Michael Crichton actually before Andromeda Strain was actually his first official book as Michael Crichton? He did like six books under a pseudonym and then three more after that. No. Before he decided to, because he was in medical school, he didn't wasn't oh, sure he right. wanted to do it full time, and he hid it from them until they figured it out. And they actually weren't that thrilled oh, about his okay. choice of vocation. Oh, interesting. And now he, and of course, until he died, he made a ton of money <laughs> with that side project. Oh yeah, tons. Some of these books look they are literally just barely holding with it. Barely hanging in there. Some of them look great, like this one here, Tawny. Oh yeah. Can a girl of the slums win love and lucre on Park Avenue? Wow. And it's very in in the same section as Dostoevsky. (laughs) Three short novels. Hey look man, I'm I'm a high art and low art kind of guy. Yeah, me too. Here now we're in the rare book on the rare book floor on the third floor, and we've got here we go. Robert Heinlein, the Puppet Masters. First edition signed by the author, fifteen hundred bucks, man. I mean, and those, that's a great cover, too. Yeah. Like, in stores like this, and that's what I love about coming to the Strand, too, is you find these alternate covers. So, like, if a, if a book has had, like, you know, six different printings, you can find three different covers. Right. You can decide which one you like, right. which I love. Um, and look, a novel by Gil Scott Heron, The Vulture. Really? I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. One of the godfathers of rap. Is this the same thing when you're shopping for music, like when you're looking for jazz? I mean, you go through this is kind of the same. Is there things that you look for? Yeah, I kind of I gravitate towards certain things. You know, like I'll, I'll always go see what yeah what Miles Davis albums they have. Yeah, and if there's ones I don't have, um, and then yeah, I sort of yeah I start with with ones I'm familiar with. Right, uh, many of whom have performed with Miles Davis at one time or another. So I'll look at the Chick Coreas, the Keith Jarrett's, the John McLaughlin's, the Herbie Hancock. And Miles for. Davis and Joel, John Coltrane were kind of your gateway into jazz. You started with the Beatles getting way, into pop yeah, and rock, and yeah, then when you were at true. Fantasy Studios recording the Second Testament album, you heard some John Coltrane. Yeah, I heard John Coltrane being uh, remastered for CD for yeah. the first time, and it sounded like he was in the room. Yeah. And it was just, yeah, it was incredible. And then Miles Davis, I had seen him on TV with the um, the electric band. It was yeah. one, of, one of his electric bands, and it was mind I didn't even realize it was Jan. <laughs> Struns and Farah, uh-huh. who we love, um, actually recorded part of, I think, their second or third album, Frontera. Part mm-hmm. of it was recorded at Fantasy also. Oh, okay. Around 84. Oh, okay. So a little bit before you got in there. Oh, there's my buddy, uh, Bradford. Bradford Morrow, yeah. the Prague Sonata. Oh, it's such a great book. Okay. Now, are there any music books that you like that are they're like music bibles to you? Um, just you mean books about music? Yeah, or? yeah, books about music. Yeah, I don't read that much about music. Although you know, High Fidelity, Nick Hornby, he's got an amazing book called uh, Songbook, which he he talks about music and. He's not a musician at all. He would not be able to tell you the first thing about a, a scale or a chord. Yeah, yeah. But he describes 
the music that he likes and why he likes it. And I, I think it's amazing. I think it's a really great uh, take on, on music. Yeah. And just the, the appreciation of music. Oh, there was a book called But Beautiful, okay. which was very similar. Yeah, oh, I, I, it's been a long time since I read that, but it was wonderful. Yeah, just wonderful. Uh, very similar. It was a, by, you know, a guy, not a musician, but just really good. It's, it's more jazz-focused, but right. he really goes into the uh, stories around musicians and just really bring, brings it to life and similarly like explains what's beautiful about the music and yeah. the feelings that it evokes. It's interesting because you live this, you know, musically you live this double life, mm-hmm. which is unusual because, you know, the, every time people think of jazz and melody, it goes back to Spinal Tap and, like, their jazz odyssey, which they actually finally recorded some of that for the last Spinal oh, Tap, which yeah. was about 10 years ago, which is hilarious. That, that is funny. But at a certain point, too, you left Testament and you were doing, you really wanted to focus on jazz, and you, were, you, were, you moved from the west to east coast, you went from San Francisco to New York, and you really dove into it it's interesting because you really made that it's a really a big passion of yours and people probably didn't even realize how big it, a passion it was at the time you oh know, absolutely thrown, thrown off a curve like what happened where do, where, do you get, where do you go oh totally totally yeah it was sort of when I even after several years when I finally felt ready to uh, release recordings it was yeah. you know some it was it got a much better reception than I thought but I still there was some that thought okay this is you know, his one <laughs> jazz album. Now he's going to go back or he's going to do something else. And, you know, it's like a novelty. No, it's not. It's like, I'm not kidding around. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of um, like the guy that's on the high school football team but then it's in the musicals. We had a guy like that, this guy, Matt, in my high school yeah. class. He actually, he did both. He was quarterback right. and he was a lead in West Side Story. Yeah, okay, why not? Yeah, there's no no reason why you, you can't do that. that. That's exactly what it feels like or it's a little bit like uh you know if i was acting in a big superhero franchise and then you know did it like you know an independent film yeah by uh yeah noah bombach but do you think in a way like with a lot of the superhero movies now it's gotten to the level where people are considered quote-unquote serious actors right like you know kenneth branagh directed thor right you know it goes that way do you think that like the example you set by going into another genre and making it work then it's going to encourage a lot of people in metal to go okay now I can do this other stuff and it's not going to be considered weird like I can do it and do my main gig yeah I, I've met people like that uh, anybody we know Dave Davidson from Revocation mm-hmm. is a really good example really good jazz player too we did full on you know Bird studied at Berkeley and owns you know vintage just beautiful vintage Gibson uh, 335 and and he, yeah, he's a real player, and uh, I've met a few people like that. That you know, uh, and it's it's great it, to me. That's hearing hearing from musicians that were inspired to do that, either maybe not whether directly or indirectly, right. because of me. It's it's yeah, that it's it's meaningful. That's cool. What is this? Uh, Tom. Wolf, oh, bonfire of the Vanities. Bonfire of the Vanities. Love Tom Wolf. Yeah, another film that didn't really—I don't think—did that well at the time. Did terrible. It? Yeah, it was a terrible. <laughs> they, it was ruined, basically. Yeah, and I, it's sad that that happens, but apparently that you know that happens often. I guess it's like maybe you're hearing a really bad cover of one of your songs and going, "Oh my god, what have you done?" Yeah, yeah. Or sometimes I guess like the wrong people can get a hold of it, can get the rights to a movie. I don't. 
I've had nothing to do with movies, so I like I don't know how the, the whole scene works. But it's yeah. just yeah, it just seems like even at that level, like I don't think you can get a, a you know book with more you know a writer with more credibility than yeah. Tom Wolfe, especially at that time. So um, a fan actually brought me a worn little paperback like like from the section we were in before with right. Norman Mailer this mystery that he wrote called Tough Guys Don't Dance which is what they have here yeah uh, and it was great it was really great so I actually started it and I'm gonna bang it out as soon as I'm done with this book so how many books in a year do you think you read I don't god I don't know see this I think the book I'm reading now really should count as like several books <laughs> I mean, that is not one book yeah. Um, and lately, I've read some really big ones. I mean, I, last year I read uh, Anna Karenina. Took that to Russia as well. I love reading Russian books when, uh, yeah, when Tuscan has shows in Russia. Was, so if you go to France, do you read French literature? I I haven't done that yet, but uh, I guess I, Japanese is harder to read. Be a little true. true. Although I do, I have brought uh, Haruki Murakami books. Okay. I don't read them in Japanese, but yeah, yeah. I have read him in Japan. Yeah, because it's fun to go to a place and really just absorb the flavor of it. When you're on the road with a metal band, I mean, how is the lifestyle different and how much does it allow you to read? And are they readers like you? I mean, are they, they absorb things the way you do or it's different? Very different. Very different. Um, it's, it's interesting. Um, when they read, it's usually like a you know, rock bio. Right. Or... Um, Sometimes, like, you know, like vampire novels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very metal, of course. Yes. Which Very is fine. Too. I mean, yeah. It's fine. It is. But it's it, it not is, really my thing. It's uh, funny when I get to, it's just like get, get to the junkets, like uh, to Europe with metal bands. Like, yeah. A lot of people want to go to shows and clubs. I'm like, you know what? I want to go to museums. I want to go right, to bookstores. Right. I want to try different restaurants. I love to experience the culture. I mean, you obviously don't get that much time when you're on the road. But is there any, are there any places overseas you've been to that you try to go back to when, you, when you're there? Like you're in Russia, for example, or any part of Europe? Any particular spots? I mean, yeah, there's many that I, I want to go back to, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's never enough time. Not too long ago, I did manage to um, grab a week in uh, France because I was um, in between a testament tour ended, and then I had a uh, teaching gig at a um, music camp in Germany. Yeah, and yeah, my choices were either okay, fly home, spend a few days at home, fly back. Mm-hmm. Or just stay in, in in Paris. It was ending in Paris. I'm, like, oh, I'm staying in Paris, <laughs> and it was yeah. and it was great. Um, in fact, when we did the uh, the unbuilt magazine, that's right, that's right. Um, the second issue, I think it was. Um, yeah, I did I did my writing for it there. It was also a great way to just focus and do writing as well. And Unbuilt is how many issues now? Three or four, at least? Uh, I think four. Yeah. So I remember I went to the, the party for the first one. That's and, right. And you, in one of the stories, you actually sat in the pit. Yes. With, it was, which, which musical was it again? That was um, The Book of Mormon. That's right. Yeah. I did two, actually. It was The Book of Mormon and Matilda. Okay, and you're in the works to people with some of the musicians just to yeah. see what it was like to be in there. Yeah. Which is a great idea. I've always, I always wondered what, because it's really cramped in there. Yeah, I just recently went to see The Book of Mormon for real. I'd sit in the audience with my <laughs> girlfriend, and it was... It's great, isn't it? Really awesome, yeah. Do you, do you love the smell of old books? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The thing I like about comic books, I open it up, and I, it's, it's weird. Some people don't get it. It's like that musty smell, but for whatever reason, you just, it just, it's kind of it's a little addicting. Like, I love oh, that. Yeah. 
Okay, so Erica Jong, she's somebody I'm a big fan of. Okay. And um, I'm guessing she's Fear of Fifty. Yeah, yeah. This is as she was. It would be interesting to read this now, you know, having reached that milestone. But yeah, it was yeah, it was great. But her original book is yeah, Fear of Flying. That's right. And that was one of my favorite books. I, I think she gets um, miscategorized, like because her uh, Fear of Flying was sort of this groundbreaking novel for at at the time. Yeah. And. Uh, She's very literary. I mean, she's just she she's got amazing references, and she's just a terrific writer. But she's credited I, unfairly, I think, with influencing books like Sex in the City and stuff like, which I think is so. It's not the same t- type of book. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just her. She's much more sophisticated than that. Well, you mean obviously you wrote your own book. How about your mm-hmm. life story? So now would you what was that experience? partly inspired by by her yeah really yeah yeah absolutely in what way um because she talked just about becoming an artist and sort of believing that you know be, being creative yeah in her case yeah I, I okay I can't relate to being a uh, a female writer yeah. <laughs> and the expectations that come with but I, I did relate to you know the expectations that come with being a hard rock or heavy metal guitar player. Right. Do you, you think about going into fiction? I do, yeah. I, it's just, it's a matter of setting aside the time to, to do it. And what and genre I, do you think you would fall into if there was one? It's, I mean, it's intimidating, not just being around books like this, where we are now, but also, like, having met a, f- a few of these people. I've <laughs> <laughs> these are, like, eighth-degree black belt writers. So, is there anybody you were particularly in awe of when you met them? Well, yeah, when I met I met Erica Jean, uh, Joyce Carol Oates. I mean, God, there's so many. But I, you know, I don't know. I did. Then I again, I read. I've read more contemporary stuff. Like people my own age and younger, where I think, okay, I'm not saying I could do that, but I think I could. I could write something, you know, along these lines. Yeah. One of like my favorite more contemporary guys is Chuck, Chuck Klosterman. Yeah, yeah. And every time I read him, it just it gets my brain going because I start having thoughts about, about you know pop culture references and music and so and I think oh you know. But I've been so busy with music, but yeah, I, I think for my next thing, I would like to to do some fiction. And there are stories that I haven't been able to tell because you know I don't want to get myself in trouble I don't want to get yeah, other people in so trouble if you fictionalize them it gets it exactly exactly <laughs> so yeah I think it, it I actually thought I would have done that by now but like yeah just having done multiple albums in the last few years working on several albums right now um, tour dates it's just it hasn't happened it's just it comes from the same uh, the same well yeah so but I know, you know, if I ever find uh, a couple months to just take off and do, I know, you know, I know I could do it. I mean, it'll probably happen at some point. Excellent. That wraps up episode three of Side Jams. I want to let you know that the book that I referenced near the start of the conversation, the one with the epic sentences, is called The Dead Fathers Club, and it was written by Matt Haig. Please join me next time when my guest will be Ash Costello and her bandmates in New Year's Day, in which we will discuss her love of horror movies and animal rescue. 
The tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I licensed them through AudioSocket. As always, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.